0: AO Welcome into the CHGO White Sox post game show presented by PointsBet. Use promo code CHGO when you sign up to get two risk free bets up to two thousand dollars. Welcome into Studio A of our CHGO offices here in the West Loop of Chicago. I'm Sean Anderson, the host of the CHGO White Sox post game show. You can follow me on Twitter at sean underscore w underscore Anderson. And alongside me tonight is Vinny Duber. Hi there. You can follow him on Twitter, at Vinny Duber. He's a CHGO White Sox beat writer. Wasn't sure if you were going to give a Herb hello or not. I,
1: I like that you made it your own. I think I did the best of both worlds. I did the Herb thing. Right. But said what I would say, so I think you know it's like you've got all three of us here, right? Yeah, and exactly. it's like
0: you know we went through the the test run, which was pregame, and mm. I didn't know that you were going to do the right. the cursory hello, and and now we're, we've gotten it. You know the kinks worked out exactly. So, you know this is a well oiled machine uh, doing everything that we consistently do night in and night out, just like the Chicago White Sox who lost again. <laughs> loss out in Baltimore to start a series, and they had more than 10 hits and lost this game. It feels like a constant cycle of singles after singles after singles, and then outs. Uh the White Sox leave 13 guys on base tonight or according to Stevens weird MLB stat 28 guys on base. Yeah,
1: Stevens over here trying to rewrite stats on us and uh, <laughs> he's claiming that the White Sox left 30 guys on base I'm tonight. I'm just saying MLB.com said 28. And they're wrong. You know, they were wrong. The the game day, the MLB game day was right with 13, but guess what? 13 still a lot, not <laughs> good. So uh man, it you know you, if you go in and look at some of the some of the stats when it comes to uh you know you know batting average or even runs scored with guys on base runners in scoring position um you know uh, uh bases loaded even for the most part the Sox aren't that terribly bad the one thing the batting average with bases loaded yes. is is bottom of the barrel it's 27th in the league everything else is middling or good yeah and yet this keeps happening it's 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 it continues to be mystifying because you look at those numbers and they they don't tell you what should the outcome really should be, and it's, it's completely different from what reality has been.
0: Right. I kind of have some stats that go along with it, and I was looking at this, and I'm like, all right, how do I make sense of these stats? First off, Jack wants to let you know that he's sad. Um, Jack Kwiatkowski is just, just sad. I'm, I'm sorry, Jack. You know,
1: you go. What, here's what you do. You watch our show. Hopefully there's going to be a few laughs in there. We'll pick you up a little bit. Then you go over to your turntable, you put a nice record on, you have a nice cocktail, you'll be happy in a minute. The downside,
0: no Herbie Sunshine today. Uh, you know, no Herbie Sunshine to pick up your mood. Uh, he True. did get checked out by a doctor, got some muscle relaxers, got some steroids, so he should be back in wow. here tomorrow. He's
1: gonna be all coming, it up. He's gonna be coming in here. You know, <laughs> it's the one thing that you need when watching the White Sox. Herb's gonna be the, the size relaxers. of that, that. Herb's gonna be the size <laughs> of that Orioles closer coming in tomorrow. They listed Felix Bautista. He's still listed right now on Baseball Reference. 65
0: 190
1: That is, man is not 190. He's he's a he's a physical <laughs> specimen that that fella and you can tell cuz he's throwing 102 miles an hour oh, out there. My god,
0: it hitting Aloy Jimenez, we'll get to it in a second. Uh, just to go into some of the left-on base stats though cuz we get we you know, we kind of got into it a little bit here. Uh Stephen, if we can go to the stats, I went to uh, a site to try to find runners with uh, runners left on base stats because they have them for pitchers, they have them for you know, pitching staff, certain pitchers. Like Johnny Cueto has a really high left on base percentage just because he's able to get double plays. Runners stranded, two. if you will. Yeah, yes. exactly. Yeah. Um, so I found the offensive version of this. This is most runners left on base per game. These are all the teams with seven or more. The Padres at 7.2, the Mariners in second in the league uh, at 7.1, the Mets at 7.07, the Dodgers uh, at fourth at 7.07 the White Sox at 7.02 the Rockies at 7.02 you look at that four teams pretty good the Padres been struggling recently but you look at the Mariners they're a solid playoff team Mets are a solid playoff team Dodgers are a solid playoff team it's just kind of the Padres White Sox and Rockies that are outliers but this is the weighted runs created plus of those teams with runners on Padres are 13th in the league. Mariners third. Mets tied for ninth. Dodgers are fifth in the league. The White Sox tied with the Mets uh, for ninth in the league. And then the Rockies there at 26. So it's not like the, the 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 Sox are bad. Like the Rockies are bad. That
1: that I mean that really tells me nothing to be honest well, with right. you. Because I mean, <laughs> two of those teams are among the best teams in baseball: the, yes. the Dodgers and the Mets. Um, you know, those teams are, are division winners potentially, depending on what goes on there in the NL East. But um, you know, And you saw those numbers. That right there said that the White Sox, with guys on base, are one of the top ten offensive teams in baseball. Mm-hmm. Obviously, good teams are going to have a lot of guys left on base because it means they're putting a lot of guys on base. Uh, the White Sox, as we know, are not a good offensive team by the one metric that counts the most, which is score and runs, middle of the pack uh, in that department. So, I mean, again, you can't look at anything and – you can't look at any of this and – Draw any conclusions because it's just so damn confusing. Well, I think the <laughs>
0: conclusion is it's just singles hurt the White Sox, and it's all about sequencing here. It's when those hits come and right. how they come. Right. And you look at the the list: most at bats with runners on this year, the Mets lead the league at nine fourteen. Colorado's in at second at nine twelve. The Sox are in third at eighteen sixty two. But you look at the Mets; they've scored uh, five hundred and twenty three runs. The Rockies have scored four hundred ninety seven runs. The the Sox have four, scored four hundred and sixty six. So there is a huge drop off there and I think it's mainly just because of the lack of extra base hits and we see tonight the White Sox have so many guys in scoring position but it seems like when they have guys in scoring position no outs it's like all right here comes the infield pop-up here comes the strikeout and the ground out in the infield and the innings over
1: it really is it really is timing you know what I mean you said the sequencing of the hits I mean it's not like sequencing of pitches you can't go up there and pick when you're gonna hit Mm. an extra base hit or not but you know Hey, the White Sox got the White Sox got four extra base hits tonight. One of them left the ballpark. Right. Two of them would have left the ballpark in any <laughs> other ballpark. I mean, it, they it, even on nights when they do what they're supposed to. This is the result.
0: Right. This one I'm not too mad at. And as La Kimba says, uh, we got beaten by a wall for goodness sake, <laughs> which is true. Um, let's take you through some of the sequencing uh, there, and maybe we'll make more sense of what I meant by that. Top of the first, A.J. Pollock hits a single, gets on base. Luis Robert flies out. But then Aloy Jimenez, your click to pick, takes it to right center field. Luis Robert was my
1: click to pick. Oh, I thought Eloy. Well, he had gotten... some hits and a run, and he did okay. You
0: could have gotten away with it. You could have gotten away with murder right here. I was going to give you Aloy Jimenez. Luis
1: Robert had two doubles. <laughs> That's true. Isn't this kind of a, uh, <laughs> is this a two pair versus a full house kind of situation? I'm not I, sure. I think you
0: still win because my guy stunk tonight um, and, <laughs> and Herb's guy stunk too. He picked Jose Abreu. I think uh, our guys win a combined 0 for 8. So it's not great. You definitely won tonight, uh, whether you got Luis Robert or, or Aloy Jimenez. But Aloy smacked one, 103 off the bat, made it 2 nothing Sox, and it felt good. The White Sox had a 2 nothing lead. Uh, then in the bottom of the first, an infield bunt by Cedric Mullins. Moncada made a nice effort to try to make the play close at first, but Cedric Patrick Mullins very very fast Adley Rutschman worked a very long first inning walk got on uh, first base so first and second for the Orioles then allowed fly out by Santander and then a huge home run from Ryan Mountcastle on a hanging slider and we'll take you through the at bat first off a swinging slider uh, a swinging strike on a slider then a ball then a ball then a ball Dylan does lead the MLB in walks this year and then Dylan tried to get one over the plate again went back to the slider and left it up and over the the middle of the plate. Stoney was talking a lot early on in the game that with the extra days rest, with the game being postponed, that Dylan might not have the sharpest stuff, and it felt like that was showing itself in the first inning.
1: In the first inning, yeah, absolutely right, and I think we're so used to seeing Dylan Cease absolutely dominate from start to finish, particularly this year, that even a kind of typical thing that happens in a baseball game is very uh, surprising to see from Dylan Cease. That's how good he's been this year, of course- once the first inning's over, Dylan Cease goes back to being Dylan Cease for the most part until. What was that, the sixth, his very last yeah, inning? Yeah, he retired
0: yeah. 12 after yeah. the, the – so the second inning, third inning, fourth inning, fifth inning, 12 straight.
1: face the minimum. I believe he had a mm-hmm. walk in there, but it was a race on a double play.
0: Yeah, yeah. and he, he was great. And then the sixth inning started getting in a little trouble, uh, ended up walking Cedric Mullins. Adley Rushman popped out to the shortstop, and then Santander smacked one up the middle uh, for a single. He wasn't bad tonight, um, but then going into some of that sequencing there, the Sox are down uh, 3-2 after that Mount Castle home run, and then – here comes Gavin Sheets at the top of the second. He gets a single, runner on, no outs. Then Elvis Andrews, Josh Harrison, pop up in the infield. And then Sebi Zavala flyed out to right field to kill that momentum then in the top of the third uh, Pollock got on uh, or actually smoked one at or door got out uh, then Robert hit a single so a runner on again uh, with one out this time then Aloy takes a walk so runners on first and second in the top of the third with one out and then Jose Abreu has a really bad at bat he strikes out goes down swinging so now two outs and then Moncada hits a ground ball Uh, and the inning is over so another (laughs) inning where the Sox get two guys on but are not able to push across a run then the top of the fourth another leadoff hit Gavin Sheets bloops a single into left field Andrew strikes out on four pitches Harrison flies out to left field Zavala walked so first and second with two outs and then Pollock grounded out to Ordore top of the fifth here comes your click to pick Luis Robert with a ground rule double uh, then you have Aloy walking on five pitches, so then first and second again, no outs. Then Jose Abreu hits one run right up the middle, and you kind of called this. You said he was going to hit a single, and guys were going to be caught on first and second. Uh, the liner back up the middle is uh, caught. Uh, Abreu's out. Then Moncada flew out to left field. Then Sheets skied out to center, so the White Sox get runners on first and second, but again, not able to get that hit to drive in a run. Then you go to the seventh inning, Robert again up, smokes a ball right off the wall. We talked about the wall in pregame, literally misses a home run by inches. He hits off the top of the wall. Steve Stone complains about him not running out of the box, but either way, Luis Robert gets a double. It's
1: a great play play by Mullins in center field to back that up. Mm -hmm. If Luis Robert goes for a triple... Uh, You know, if he is running out of the box, he's probably out because that is a great play. And it happened again, too. You're probably going to get to it. Sebi Zavala doubled in almost the exact same place, exact same play by Cedric Mullins in center field to back up the ball bouncing off the wall. That's no in your home field, and that's a great job defensively by the Orioles.
0: Well, and two, like at this point, the Orioles are up four to three or are th- yeah yeah they're up four to th- uh, four to two right now because uh, Santander uh, just hit a-, a single so the Sox are down two runs so there is no point for Luis to even stretch that and make the first out at third base right like even if he's running full speed out of that box it is just smart to keep him at second base because stretching that 90 extra
1: feet doesn't really matter because he's not the tying run at Well, and all. it's just it's just normal baseball right I mean right. I think I think there are people who obviously are frustrated watching this team and so the the mistakes, be they real or perceived, are going to jack up that frustration even more. There were plenty of mistakes tonight. You talked about Jose Abreu's at-bats, and he had a couple real clunkers. Obviously, there were plenty to be frustrated about tonight. That one right there, if he runs right out of the box, it's a normal baseball thing, and nobody's like, oh, I wonder I wonder what would have happened otherwise. It's a double. He got a double. Move on. Right. The <laughs> issue is
0: getting the guy in from second right. or third base. Cause could they even get him in uh, from third base? Uh, I'm not sure. Uh, then Aloy grounded out to the, to the shortstop with uh, Robert on second base. Umbreu grounded up the middle. Robert went to third. And then Yuan had a great at-bat. Drew a walk on ten pitches. Andrew Vaughn comes in to pinch hit for Gavin Sheets. He laced a liner into left field. Feels like the Sox have some light, life they make it a 4-3 game but you know you just flip that maybe yoan draws the 10 in, the 10 pitch walk then vaughn gets on makes it 1-2 and that double Maybe that ties the game up right there, or give the Sox. You know that, that you know if if just the sequencing has changed just a little bit right there, the Sox possibly tie it up. But they weren't getting the extra base hits when they needed. Uh, leading off the inning, they did get the one from Jimenez with with Pollock on, but that was really the big thing was they're able to move ninety feet. They're able to do the station to station baseball. Uh, but as we know, that just doesn't work.
1: Yeah, there are two things that work here, and there's you know in, in what you're describing. And number one is obviously the White Sox don't get a lot of extra base hits. That's been a problem all year long. It continues to be a problem. It's likely going to be continuing to be a problem until they prove otherwise, and we're running out of time for them to do that. The other thing, too, though, is we're going inning by inning, you know, and saying, oh my God, why didn't the White Sox hit their double uh, two batters after they actually did? It's like some of this right. is like, you know, what I just said, right? The frustration gets amped up over every little thing because of the way the entire season has gone. And certainly that's to be expected. We've well, gotten to the point though now guys where we're complaining that the White Sox doubled too early in an <laughs> inning. And I mean, come on. You got to you got to uh,
0: <laughs> Well, less complaining and just more trying to figure out like the the left on base and the the when runners are on issues, right? Because again, we're looking at it, it's like oh, the Dodgers and Mets are up there, the White Sox are just as good as the Dodgers and Mets with runners on, why aren't they scoring as much? I, I think again, it's just the unfortunate situation or, or you know, it's really just when these hits come uh, if it's any later or anything like that, then the White Sox probably score more runs, but again, that's just not how baseball works um, a- a- as you say. Top of the eighth, things get interesting, Harrison ground out to third base, so the Sox start off with a one uh, out uh, in the top of the eighth, but then Sebi Zavala cranked one off the left center field wall like you mentioned this one probably even further than Luis Roberts and we have the deeper
1: part of the park right yeah Yeah, uh, I
0: mean Luis's was more probably left field there's two ads out on that wall one's closer to the foul pole the other one's just a little bit over and then there's space between the Orioles and, and White Sox bullpen there uh, Roberts was more above that second dairy ad, and then I think Zavala's was closer to that corner there. But as you can see here, uh, this is the Luis Robert Willet dong. 29 out of 30 parks. This would, this would go out, and uh, the only one it would stay in uh, is Camden Yards. Pretty sure it's the same thing for Sebi Zavala's one. Smoked it off the left center field wall, like you said. I mean, Sebi ran out of the box on that one. Great play by Mullins to back it up, and, and Zavala ends up getting in to second base with a double. Then Pollock has a great job, hits one into the infield. Odor has to make a nice play, makes a quick transfer, but Pollock hustles down the line and beats out an infield single. Then Felix Bautista comes in, and this is where things get interesting and scary. First off, Bautista kind of you know trying to find the zone. He strikes out Luis Robert. Then Aloy Jimenez comes up. He throws... One pitch in a 2 2 count over Adley Rutchman's head at about 103 miles per hour, sails to the backstop, Ricky Vaughn style, and then the next one drills Aloy directly in the elbow pad, thankfully, but it was a 102 mile per hour fastball, and he ended up having to leave the game, even though it hit that pad.
1: Yeah, I mean, my goodness, a few more inches, and you're looking at the end of Aloy Jimenez's season because right. that ball was screaming in there, got him right in the elbow. Thankfully, it looked like it hit him in the elbow guard, but you could tell he dropped to his knees and he was wailing in pain. Um, I'm sure that hurt like hell, but the, the padding did its job. It looked like, you know, and it's probably the difference between a really, really horrible bruise that could still m- mean he misses some time because I'm sure it's not comfortable to swing a baseball bat right. with, with, with the way he got his elbow bruised up, but maybe not a broken elbow and certainly will wait. On, uh, on, on word from the Sox to see what actually happened. But, man, that was a, uh, a scary thing. Made, made me leap up out of my seat because that ball was just thrown so hard. That guy uh, that guy might want to change his walk-in walk-in music from Farmer in the Dell to uh, to a wild thing. <laughs>
0: uh, yeah, I had to explain to Vinny what uh, Omar's whistle was because he wasn't a wire guy. I'm also not a wire guy, so, you know, I knew the reference because I saw it on Twitter. It's the uh, Farmer in the Dell.
1: Yeah, I didn't realize. It's just, he's just, he loves those little kids' nursery rhyme songs. Well, and it sounds
0: creepy because it's, it's it. A, I
1: thought it was maybe from, like, a horror movie or something. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, no,
0: just just the wire. Um, anyways, Felix Bautista throwing like a madman uh, out here in the eighth inning, and then in a three-two count, Jose Abreu strikes out on a fastball, basically right above the strike zone. It was a very well-placed fastball and that was a big thing for Jose. We were monitoring this all throughout the year. He was really good and and honestly like incredible on 3-2 counts, not striking out, drawing walks. I think at one point it was like 30 walks to 2 strikeouts. Now it's 34 walks to 9 strikeouts in full count situations, but like you mentioned it, Jose had a couple clunker of an at bat uh, tonight. This yeah. one kind of less so.
1: This was a good at bat. It just ended. Yeah. It ended poorly. A yeah, very right. good
0: pitcher uh, yeah. that he's going up against. Mm-hmm. Uh, some disgusting stuff with that splitter and that fastball at that level. But fans frustrated. 0-for-5 night for Jose Abreu, runners in scoring position, uh, not going well, and you look for Pito to step up in big situations like that. In August, Abreu, only nine RBIs this year, and we're 23 days into the month. Um, What have you made of Jose recently? Because the hits have been there, leads the American League in hits, but it just feels like that run production hasn't been there for uh, Jose this year.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's the same story with everybody on the team, isn't it? I mean, you're looking for the power, you're looking for the runs, and they are nowhere to be found. That being said, Jose Abreu has managed to hit the ball or and get on base at an MVP level. He just hasn't hit it for really more than one base at a time. And certainly, folks are going to you know make the same complaint about everybody on the team, and they'd be pretty valid. Uh, it, it, it's the thing that we've been talking about with this White Sox team all year. And Jose Abreu, the f- argue you know maybe not the face of the team, but the the guy who's won an MVP, perhaps the most important hitter on this team. Uh, is right there as the poster child for what's been going simultaneously right and wrong. Uh, you know, you've got to give him a ton of credit for what he's been able to do. You know, if you were to look at him uh, in, in isolated from the rest of the team and, and, everything that he's done to his career up till now, you'd say, oh, he's managed to transform himself in a year where the power is not there for him. He's still managing to do so much with getting on base via the walk or via the single and still being an extraordinarily productive player in that regard. But when it's bothering every single person on the team, you have to just look at it as kind of one guy who's doing, who's kind of embodying what's gone wrong for the White Sox this season. Well, and we always hear
0: the pressing word, and it just feels like this game was probably a great example of this team
1: pressing. Every uh, single guy that came to the plate almost, it seemed yeah. like, because they saw the it, – it's, it's one thing when you're pressing because you have no hits and everybody's going up there and trying to, to finally break the dam kind of thing. They had plenty of hits tonight. They had yeah. plenty of, 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 of guys on base tonight. And so it was a different kind of pressing. It was, I'm going to be the, the guy. I have to get this run home. Look at the score. You know, you're looking at the scoreboard. You're looking at the situation as it gets later in the game. You've got this number of guys that you're leaving on base just piling up. The 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 offer, uh with runners in scoring position is piling up. And then... You're trying so hard. You're trying to hit a grand slam. You're trying so hard to maybe, in Jose Abreu's case, hit a single because it would have right. made such a big difference in the game. It might have tied the game in that situation. Uh, it's just you're expanding your zone. You're not waiting for the pitch that you need you know, to, to do damage. You're not forcing the other pitcher to pitch to you. He is just... Doing his job out there and and doing it very well, and you're not really making it that much more difficult on him.
0: Yeah, and people saying in the comments, uh, uh, Barry's power outage is scary. John Froelich saying, "Father time waits for no one." Uh, Jesus Shuttlesworth saying that uh, 2020 MVP is cool, but they shouldn't have picked uh, an MVP in that short season. I don't know about that. You know, it's he a was fun the most.
1: He was the best. He was the best hitter in the American League for those two <laughs> right. months.
0: Um, and, and you know, you're you're right though. Like it kind of embodies the whole team uh, at this point. 18th loss this year with 10 or more hits, which is just kind of shocking. Um, And this is the 8th time this year where they have had 10 or more hits and have scored 3 runs or less, which is kind of just absurd. You have eight games uh, where you have 10 or more hits and you're just not able to get more than three runs. Uh, Just an odd game, an odd season so far for the White Sox. And then nothing much happened at the uh, end of the game. Uh, Bottom eighth was a pretty clean one for Tanner Banks. He made his reappearance for the White Sox in the 2022 season. And then the top of the ninth, Makata blooped out to center field. Andrew Vaughn had an interesting at bat versus Felix Bautista, smacked one down the right field line and almost Seemingly killed the right fielder um, who disappeared.
1: With the camera angle that they had, he just ran right through the wall, like, uh, you know, (laughs) Wiley Coyote style almost.
0: And then Elvis Andrews grounded out to end the game, and that's how the White Sox lost. Five to three, we'll talk about Dylan Cease's performance in just a second, but PointsBet Sportsbook is counting down the days until football season with a new offer every day until the season kicks off. From now until September 8th, PointsBet's Power Hour will unlock a new daily offer until September 8th. Sign up for PointsBet now using the code CHGO to get two risk-free bets up to $2,000. And don't miss out on your chance to get daily access to free bets, boosted odds, and so much more now through September 8th. That's not it. If you make a 51 or more dollar, First time deposit, you'll receive a free CHGO membership, which unlocks all of our web content, and you'll even get a free shirt of your choice from CHGO Locker. So download the PointsBet app today and use code CHGO to take advantage of this limited time offer. Don't just bet. Live your bet life with PointsBet. If you or somebody who has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER for crisis counseling and referral services. And our next partner, our very good friends over at FOCO, have a lot of fun stuff for you Chicago sports fans. Chicago, you've already got the best code coverage for your favorite teams. So get fitted in the best sports gear around. Foco has you covered from Soldier Field to the front room, north or south side with hoodies, slippers, signs, bobbleheads and everything in between. Get decked out like DeMar with apparel from the Leaders in Sports merch and collectibles. Foco, looking for the perfect gift for the football fan in your life? Foco's got you covered with hoodies to fit, uh, fight that Lake Michigan breeze. Check out the foco.com uh, selection or click the link in the YouTube description below for all non pre-sale items use the promo code CHGO for 10% off again check out foco.com they have a lot of cool White Sox bobbleheads for you White Sox fans out there or you can click the link in the YouTube description below and for all non pre-sale items use promo code CHGO for 10% off at foco foco.com let's sure. talk yes vinny
1: Now, the folks uh, uh, watching right now and and listening whenever they're listening are not going to understand this, but hold on to your hat. I made an amazing prediction that just came true. What? Reese McGuire is pitching for the Red Sox. Are you serious? Yep.
0: Oh, my God. So I look over to Vinny and Steven after George Springer hits this triple to make it 8-1. to one. And if you don't remember, the last time the Blue Jays and Red Sox played each other at Fenway, it was like 27-4 to four yes. or something yes. like that. And Vinny just says, is Reese McGuire pitching yet? And I'm like, oh, he's it not eight to
1: It was 8-1 in what, the third inning or something <laughs> like that? And I go, ah, oh, Reese McGuire is going to be pitching in this game. And you're like, oh no, he didn't start. And I'm like, all right, that's it. He's primed to pitch. Oh Reese God. McGuire is pitching right now for the Boston Red Sox. That's we, That might be the most amazing come true prediction I've ever made.
0: We joked and said, all right, Reese, go out to the bullpen. <laughs> Get your arm ready. And in six pitches, he goes an inning allowing no hits, no walks, and no case. <laughs> I just would love to know what odds you would have gotten on the Points Bet Sportsbook Well, app. I would have
1: had to, like, call them up and have Seriously. them make it spe- special, right?
0: <laughs> they have the uh, the request of that option, but they would have just looked at you like, no. No, we're not doing <laughs> that. No, what's wrong with you? <laughs> Alex says, you know the MLB script. Have you been able to find that in the press box? Do they keep it there? The script, the, the script, script yeah. for the games? yeah.
1: Exactly. I've, I know all I, I know all the twists and turns of the 2022 season. I decided to unload the prediction on this <laughs> on this moment.
0: I really loved the the uh them going off script kind of. It felt like improv today in the Astros Twins game after Jose Altuve gets blunked by Aaron Sanchez. The uh <laughs> the, the dugouts uh you know, clear and then they eject Rocco Baldelli cuz they said the bases clearing was a mound visit.
1: Yeah. Yeah, from what I gathered they the pitching coach went out to visit the Twins pitcher in, in, while that inning was still going on after the benches cleared, and they forced, them, they forced the Twins to make a pitching change because they said it was the second mound visit of the inning. That's, that's a new one. That's wild.
0: That is wild. (laughs) I love baseball. And, uh, you know, these writers are getting better and better in all these twists and turns. I heard someone say it's the best reality TV show uh, on television now.
1: And those are all scripted anyway, so there you go. Right. There you go. (laughs) Um, And and
0: it's real people dealing with real things. Like uh, Dylan Cease dealing with uh, a kind of rough outing today. It wasn't his best day. It wasn't his worst day. We can look at the starting pitchers lines now and, and talk about Dylan Cease's day. Austin Voth, the ice planet of Voth, Uh, five and two thirds today, two earned runs, seven hits allowed, three walks surrendered and three strikeouts for Dylan Cease, five and one third, four earned runs, three hits, three walks allowed, four Ks kind of mentioned it in the pregame was interested to see how the Orioles are going to do against Dylan Cease after he has that fantastic game seven innings pitched, 13 struck out struck out uh, back uh, in J- June was it um, back in June against the Orioles today much different story the Orioles have been on a very very hot streak Adley Rutschman is now a dangerous hitter at that two spot and Dylan just didn't have that same kind of stuff he had in June and July and, and early August not sure if it was because of the long delay, like Stony was mentioning it, but you know, there was some moments there where he showed some size Yeah.
1: I mean, if you're talking about results, this wasn't that bad. I mean, he gets, he gets burned for three runs on one hit. And I mean, the guy only gave up three hits today. Obviously the three walks in, in the amount of time that he, uh, that he pitched are not good. Two of those walks came around to score, which is obviously nothing that you want to see. And so that's probably driving him crazy tonight, but I didn't think it was that bad of an outing by Dylan Cease. I thought it was one of those nights where the offense, it, it, the offense should be able to do do the job. Dylan Cease gives up Dylan Cease gives up four runs in five and a third inning, but the White Sox can score five runs right. or for well, they should be able to score five runs. They don't do it quite. They're as allowed to. They're allowed to certainly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, they have players that have scored five runs before, but it, it it it's another one of those nights. I mean, we've talked about this quite a bit this year, where it's like. Even if the pitcher is not Cy Young worthy out there on the mound, they do the they do a good enough job to keep the team in the game, and that that's what Dylan did tonight. Um, you know, the two walks proved costly. Obviously, that first walk that he had was that that missed interference call on mm-hmm. the on the stolen base that was ball four. That was kind of a weird at bat. You know, obviously it was ball four, and you know I think the guy did check his swing. It's a, that's Rushman you were right. you were alluding to there. So um, not a bad night for Dylan Cease, but. Bad enough with what this offense has been able to do.
0: Yeah, and you look back at the Astros game, and it was clearly a lack of four-seam control that really did him in, and it was sort of the same story tonight. Uh, You look at what he did with his slider, 41 sliders thrown tonight, 19 swings. He got 10 whiffs on it. That's a very good night. When they are swinging and missing at over half of the pitches that you're throwing, that's a good pitch. All right, guys, we can just say that. So Dylan had another good night with the slider. Called strikes on that four. So called strikes plus whiff on the slider, 14. It's a percentage of 34%. That's a good night. But the, the four-seam fastball needs to find its home like it was in that crazy stretch dylan had 17 swings only two whiffs tonight four called strikes need to be looking for more called strikes with that forcing fastball especially to set up early on in the count i think that's why we saw more knuckle curves to start off those of bat he ended up getting two called strikes uh, with the knuckle curve starting hitters off oh oh with that knuckle curve to get that easy strike uh, but looking at that forcing fastball 15 percent called strike with percentage and you look at the um the, the the balls in play there um just guys putting seven balls in play on that forcing fastball uh, they were able to hit it hard at times and you know it wasn't really a bad outing like we said 12 guys sent down and this shows it like when you have a breaking ball like this it's going to be easy to get outs it's going to be easy to uh, you know conduce weak content off of those pitches 81 miles per hour off the bat uh, against the slider today but when you're walking guys when you're breathing life into these at bats like the adley rushman walk that's just going to put more guys on base and when you make a mistake to Mount you get damaged. I mean, if that is a pitch, you know, to the first step at bat and Mullins takes him deep, that's a solo shot and his line looks much better. So it was really a bad mistake at the wrong time. And, you know, if he's a little bit cleaner, the the outing would look better.
1: And what's the fourth run? The fourth run scores not because not only because of the leadoff walk, right. but a soft single drives the run home after Cease's throwing error. Mm-hmm. Granted, you could maybe put some blame on Jose Abreu right. there, too, but Cease was the one charged with the error. Cease's throwing error on a pickoff try ends up going past Abreu, and the, and the runner gets to second base. Mm-hmm. The single that scores that run doesn't score that run if, he doesn't throw the ball away on the pickoff try, right? So Dylan sees make some mistakes and he paid for him. I'm going to push back on the on the one day extra rest thing. I know we talked about the you know starting pitchers routines and those are very important. This is a guy who thought he was going to pitch uh, yesterday and he didn't, you know, and, and certainly that can or yeah. When did, was he supposed to pitch? He was supposed to pitch Sunday. Sunday he was supposed so then to he pitch got Sunday. Sunday not off and Monday right. off. So he was supposed to pitch Sunday. He didn't. I understand that messes with the routine a little bit. Sure, no problem with that. Maybe that had something to do with it. But this is a guy who has pitched very well on extended rest earlier this season. If you remember, I think it was the Sunday before the All-Star break and then the two Sundays coming out of it. So that's three, three straight starts with a week, full weeks in between one, two, and three. I mean, the guy – and that was right in the middle of his streak when he's not giving up any right. runs at all. So this is a guy who can handle that. He's shown that he can handle that earlier this season. The heck, they do it on purpose so these guys can get some extra rest. Um You know, pulling the plug on Sunday, uh, you know, was unexpected, obviously, because that game was supposed to be played. It wasn't a kind of thing where, um, you know, they could build this into the schedule very ahead of time. But – I'll push back on I'll push back on the idea that he was all screwed up because of this. It could certainly have played a role, but Cease has been around long enough to know to, to be able to get up for 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 anything.
0: Yeah, I mean, looking at the stats, days of rest. Um, you look at the 13 games that he has started with four days of rest, an ERA of 156. Five days of rest. He's had six starts, an ERA of 248. Six plus days. This is not including today's game. Uh, five games, an ERA of uh, 312. So, I mean, his ERA has gone up with the more and more rest that he's got. But what do you want? What, you, want you want Tony to? You know, dry up Cleveland's outfield. Well, like, but you're also he, he talking not pitch you're on also, Sunday. But you're
1: also too, what was the ERA you just read there? Three, for, one, two. three one two. That's really good. It's not
0: bad. <laughs> right. I mean, again, the issue is we have not said this at all uh, at any point on the CHGO White Sox post game podcast, off day show, pregame show. The issue with the White Sox is hitting. <laughs> it's not. It's not Dylan Cease. Right. I, I understand people saying you know, Verlander probably you know locked up the Cy Young today with six uh, he was really he was really really good tonight no hits you know (laughs) 10ks very good probably locked up the Cy Young but still I, I mean Dylan gave you a good outing it was forced on him to have this this start push back there's nothing really you could do about it and after the second inning he looked fine like he, he looked like he was in control. So really, it's again the walks that hurt Dylan Cease. I thought it was great that you brought up the Mullins thing too because I, I, I kind of forgot about that um, that pickoff there. Like I mean, Stone was mentioning it. Like oh, he's going to go, he's going to go, and they just try to keep him, you know, a little bit guessing, a little bit slow to have that jump, and it just gets under Brayu's glove, and that is basically the, the the backbreaker right there because maybe if the Sox are you know looking at a four three deficit. They're pressing a little bit less. I'm not sure, but uh, it's just another frustrating day. And I I agree with you. The days of rest, um, there's nothing really you can do about that because, you know, The game was
1: canceled, right? I mean, if had he pitched, had he pitched yesterday instead of today, he's also got extra rest. Yeah, Yeah.
0: so I I don't know. It's just an odd day for Dylan. Um, So yeah, I think if there's any two things or or things to look out uh, after the Astros game and the Orioles game is mainly control for Dylan, especially with that four seam fastball. If he's able to find that, uh, I think he will have more of that great success that he was having in that 14 game stretch. All right, let's tell you about Owen, our good friends over at Owen. When you're out on the mound throwing 90 pitches in the hot Baltimore sun, the way to replenish your body after putting yourself through a workout like that is getting the stuff that uh, you only need. I was trying to be real cute with that. Uh, I have to tell you about Owen, which stands for only what you need. Owen is a 100% plant-based protein shake that gives you nutrition that works as hard as you do. All their products are free of artificial ingredients, allergen friendly. There's no gluten or dead dairy and they're easily digestible unlike White Sox games. And I first heard about Owen from Chicago Bears quarterback, Justin Fields, who follows a plant-based diet. I know our guy, Nicholas Mariano of the CHGO Bears uh, podcast loves this stuff after his, uh, you know, daily work workouts. He goes out to the Bears Fit Gym and gets all ripped up and loaded to play softball uh, for the CHGO softball team that somehow made the playoffs, right? When you're going out in the world, you're putting out energy, put in very high quality stuff into your body. Again, 100% plant based protein shake, free of artificial ingredients. They're allergen friendly, no gluten or dairy, and they're easily digestible coming in great flavors like chocolate, strawberry and banana, salted caramel and vanilla. And now Owen and CHGO have partnered to give you an awesome offer. You get 20% off your first purchase at liveowen.com. That's L-I-V-E-O-W-Y-N.com. And with code CHGO20, you can get 20% off your first purchase. Join me and Justin Fields and try Owen. It's only what you need. And we want to let you know about CHGO. CHGO, a fantastic new platform where you can get coverage for all of your Chicago sports teams. You're watching the CHGO White Sox show right now. There's a live CHGO Cup show going on in the other studio right over there. We got sky coverage after they advanced to the second round of the playoffs, beating the Liberty, coming back from a 1-0 deficit. Sabria and Janice have you covered. So head over to all chgo.com. You can become a member and read all of our great content, all of our great written work on that website and the CHGO Locker currently has a sale going on. It's a summer sale, 25% off all of our shirts. We have fantastic designs for all of your favorite teams. We got new ones coming as well. So definitely head over and check out the CHGO Locker and our website at allchgo.com. If you enjoy the podcast, you enjoy all of the free written stuff that you get, make sure to support what we're doing here by going to all chgo and becoming a member or heading over to the chgo locker chglocker.com and buying a shirt instead of being $30 they're ninety nine. so take advantage of this fantastic deal now All right, Vinny, we talked a little bit, and also I want to give an update coming out of Baltimore. Uh, This is from Daryl Van Scowen, who is out covering the team in Baltimore. Now, x-rays on Aloy Jimenez's elbow was negative, so he's day-to-day with a bruise. So good news for the White Sox. And as we know, he's not going to be playing the outfield in Baltimore. Um, Tony said with the expansive outfield, you're probably not going to see him. So, you know, maybe he's able to DH with a bad elbow? I'm not sure.
1: Yeah, I mean, I would think that – Swinging hurts the elbow, too. Uh, certainly, It was his left elbow, right? Yes. So, I mean, it's not like that was his throwing arm. But, uh, yeah, I would imagine that that would probably be pretty nasty. We saw Andrew Vaughn battle a, a bruise on his hand that hurt him while swinging, um, you know, forced him to the IL eventually, I think, earlier this season. So those bruises, uh, you know, I think everybody breathes a sigh of relief because they're not worse. But it doesn't mean that can't keep you out as f- of a few games.
0: Well, and two, like, that's going to be his – he's a righty, so I'm trying to mirror this. He would be – I mean, that's his – bottom hand. Extender. Yeah, Extension so, arm. So yeah. that's probably going to be real painful when he fully extends his arm to swing mm-hmm. uh, after uh, good old Felix Bautista hit him with a 102-mile-per-hour fastball. Isn't it nice to be a baseball player? Oh, honey, what happened to you today? Oh, I got drilled with a 102-mile-per-hour fastball on the arm. Isn't that great? Um, I do want to talk <laughs> a little bit about your writings on allchgo.com. Uh, we talked about this a little bit, uh, but Project Birmingham, they just had their first game, and they won 11-7. to Sean Burke had a great outing pitching for the White Sox, former 3rd round pick for the Sox. He went 5 innings allowing 2 hits and 9 strikeouts, but Yoki Cespedes had a good day. He had a double. Uh, Luis Mieses had a home run. Brian Ramos had a home run in the eighth inning. Yoki Cespedes also had a home run in the eighth inning. Oscar Colas had an RBI. Cespedes had three. Wes Kath had one. Mieses had two. Brian Ramos had four. So a big day for Project Birmingham. It's a very interesting project that they have going on, and it seems like it's bearing some fruit because all of these top prospects got hits tonight.
1: Listen, uh, that's all well and good, but uh, certainly what we heard from Chris Getz was that the results don't really matter or sure. the stats don't really matter that these guys put up in games. What matters right now is that they're going to be able to work with the coaching staff uh, or the I should say the staff from from the entire organization uh, one-on-one and, and get some really uh, close-up instruction from these guys. Remember, this is player development. It's about development. Um, they know that some of these guys, maybe in a normal situation, wouldn't be ready to go face double-A pitching. Uh, but here they are getting that chance, ter- being able to apply exactly what they get from these guys during the practice and, and with all their teammates in these games, get them to to get into competitive games. So I don't think the I mean I think the White Sox don't see anything but upside for what this can provide for these players. Um, and even if this is not the kind of thing that happens on a nightly basis down there, I think that over the long term, the idea is that things will be. Uh, uh, all these guys will be better off for getting this experience. Right, and I think
0: it's interesting, too, having these guys gel. We see how important it is to win uh, baseball games, and if they're winning, they're getting great instruction, they're coming together, I mean, that could prove to show bonds that have created, and then hopefully they could take that to the Major League team and and help the Major League club. I mean, that's what Chris Gretz is saying. This is about helping the Major League club. So if they're able to find some chemistry down there and they're able to create that and just a little month progress, I mean, maybe that's just something to take away from it. But uh, interesting project that they have going on. Oscar Kolos led off for them. He went two for four tonight. He is the second-ranked prospect by MLB.com in the White Sox system. Brian Ramos, who is the fifth-ranked prospect in the Sox uh, organization right now, he went three for five with four RBIs. Colson Montgomery had a hit in his double-A debut today, Yolki Cespedes, and he's the number one ranked prospect in the White Sox farm system. Yoki Cespedes, uh, Cespedes is ranked 13 in the White Sox farm system, and today he went four for five. Luis Messis is the uh, lowest ranked prospect in the lineup. He is the 23rd ranked prospect, 22-year-old outfielder, but he went two for five today. Um, Veras, I think, is the one that isn't in the top. No, Wilfred Veras is uh, 26th, so he's the The lowest, but he's 19 years old. He had a nice day, going two for five, and then Westkath, former second round pick for the Sox, he batted seventh. He also went two for five. He's 16th in the organization. So some interesting, uh, you know, happenings down in the minor leagues today, and uh, stuff that we will be following throughout. The season, and we do have to give you an update as well from Project Birmingham. Sad stuff. We'll give you all the good stuff. Eleven to seven win. A lot of the top guys getting hits. But this from James Fox. He tweeted out: Project Birmingham has begun tonight. But Jose Rodriguez's season is over. At Kurt Bloom, the Double A announcer reported on the broadcast that a broken hamate bone will end the infielder's 2022 campaign. Jose Rodriguez has been an interesting player, 21 year old shortstop and second baseman down in Double A, having a Big July and August, and now unfortunately the young shortstop's uh, season coming to an end down in Birmingham.
1: Yeah, I mean that's a bummer. Obviously, it's a guy they've been excited about this year, and uh, a guy who's come on and found some real power of late. Uh, so a one of the better stories of the Sox minor league system is going to end on a on a bummer of a note. There, you know, I see I, I see a lot of folks, you know, uh, complaining that we're talking about Double uh, A because uh, the major league team has been so disappointing. Uh, and in a way, they're right. I think uh, yeah. you know. On the same day that that the all you know, this whole project Birmingham thing kicks off, the MLB pipeline uh, farm system rankings come out, and the White Sox in the bottom five. Right. Uh, I mean, this is um, you know, obviously the White Sox think that they've got some talented guys down there, and certainly Colson Montgomery is has, is a reason to be excited. Oscar Colos is a reason to be excited. Um, positive things can happen even when uh, your farm system is not ranked very highly, but. Listen, we weren't supposed to be talking about this at this point. And, and, you know, obviously minor league seasons go on for all of the teams who are in contention. The Dodgers, for example, have uh, you know a minor league system worth raving about seemingly every year, even though they're in championship contention. But we were supposed to be talking about this major league right. team uh, being uh, good. I mean, this is the, the reason that we spent so many years focusing on the minor leagues was for this time, was, for, was so we could be talking about Aloy Jimenez and Luis Robert and Michael Kopech and Dylan Cease. Um, and we are talking about them, but we're talking about them being on a very disappointing White Sox team. And so, uh, you know, folks complain that, you know, uh, oh, here we go. They're, they're, they're hyping up the minor leagues because the major leagues uh, are not doing what they're supposed to be doing. Yeah. That's true, and and it's it's a it it's very it's it's very shocking, and uh, you know as we've talked about all year, just how dramatically different the results have been from what was expected. The player development side was supposed to build this juggernaut at the at, uh, at the major league level. Rick Hahn and the, and the front office invested in all of these guys before they really got their their major league careers going. You know, the, think of the three big guys that they gave the extensions to, Aloy and Robert, before they even played a major league game. Right. And Moncada was still only a couple years into his major league career. So this was uh, this was supposed to be the years where, yeah, it's okay, you know, probably not okay from their standpoint, but – it doesn't matter as much if the minor league system is ranked where it's ranked because look at what that minor league system has produced at the major league level and now you got a bunch of guys at the major league level who can't drive in runs.
0: And I think part of the reason why there is an emphasis or a focus on it is because at the trade deadline, the White Sox did not trade off any of the pieces from the minor league farm system. And it's very interesting to see some of the quotes about Project Birmingham from Chris Getz, trying to say, or in a way, like well no we believe in our guys more than the MLB and we the White Sox want to show the MLB what we can do and what we have so it feels like the White Sox are kind of making this more of a story as well hyping up what they can do or what they believe in in their player development system that's fine believe in your players believe in those prospects but you need to see results because you're right this was supposed to be the 2022 season about the American League repeating American League champions, hopefully the uh, Central champions. Hopefully the White Sox were would be able to win their second straight division, go to the third straight postseason appearance, and now it looks like that's up in the air and now You're questioning, well, what didn't the White Sox trade to try to improve this team at the deadline? And we're seeing some interesting results. I know that results don't mean much in the long term, but Montgomery has gotten off to a red hot start. People want Colas up here right now, and that's typical for fans, but 10 home runs in Birmingham is nothing to to sneeze at. Jose Rodriguez looked like a very interesting player. Brian Ramos is 20 years old and hitting the hell out of the ball. So, I do wonder if the White Sox have something. And if they don't, I think they're going to look fairly stupid not digging into that farm system to try to upgrade this 2022 team because there was clear holes on this team and clear holes that continue to hurt this team.
1: They, bl- they blew it at the trade deadline, no doubt about that. Uh, they 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 had an opportunity to go get anything, and they right. really didn't. And, and, and uh, how many of these guys
0: can actually truly help your team? Like, you know, if eight of these guys in the top 30 are going to be major leaguers, are all eight of those going to make their major league debut with the White Sox and then also, you know,
1: have major league careers that are 5 plus years with the White Sox? No. No, and they talk about they've talked about this. I mean, they're not they're not shying away from reality. They've talked about this throughout this rebuilding process which was, you know, we hope to get these guys to the major leagues and we we the goal of strengthening the minor league system after those guys left the minor league system, they said, was about being able to add to the major league team but being able to add to the major league team through trades i mean that's that's the reality of baseball right there um, the problem is that i don't know that the <laughs> trade deadline helps them i mean w- look at w- well, look at what you've seen the last look at what you've seen since the trade deadline I, I, obviously yeah. it makes them okay I shouldn't say it doesn't help them it obviously helps them right it doesn't solve all the problems that's what I think because here's the thing they have they have a litany of guys on this team that are not hitting for power and are not hitting, they're not hitting home runs, they're not driving in runs, they're not scoring runs. It's not like you point at that lineup and go, man, if they only had somebody different playing right field, all their problems will right. be, would be solved. Man, if only they had a different second baseman, all their problems would be solved. And every other position was spoken for on the field. It's, it's, um, it's they, simultaneously, they blew it at the trade deadline and – them winning the trade deadline might not have fixed this
0: i don't know if it would have fixed it but again it would have just made me feel a little bit easier because right now when the Sox fall to three and a half with the guardians falling to 62 and 61 they're right now three and a half back of the guardians i just wonder about again the baseline of this team and what just solid depth or more major league depth could have done because you see some of the trades that are made and I'm not saying, you know, go out and get a Josh Hader who's going to cost, you know, an arm and a leg from your farm system or Jorge Lopez, like the twins that went out and got or Tyler Malley, like the twins went out and got. I just thought raising the depth of this team would have helped them. And we see what Elvis Andrews, even though he's not setting the world on fire, I think that he just shows how much more competent he is over a Lenin Sosa or over a Romy Gonzalez, right? And I think that there are other places that they could have been more competent in. I think Jake Diekman was a sign of getting more competent in your bullpen, and he's been fairly good in a White Sox uniform. So I think that just finding that competency would have been welcomed. And also, now with this Kopech injury, I thought they should have added some starting to pitching depth in case that happened. I thought Jose Quintana would have been a nice add because, you know, he could have been in the bullpen. You could have had the five that you're going with, Giolito, Lynn, Kopech, Cease, Cueto. Now with Kopech out, you could have then slid in Jose Quintana. Now you're relying on Davis Martin. I don't love that. So I just thought that it would have filled some gaps, and I think one of the biggest gaps the White Sox have is major league-ready depth.
1: You're not wrong. That's true. It would have done that. I don't think it would have driven any runs in from third base, or not all of it. I mean, like Elvis.
0: I mean, we see Elvis. I mean, he already had a three RBI game. Like, I just think that you put. I don't know.
1: Okay, and we'll see. And we'll see what those numbers are at the end, and if they if they're good, they're good. But I saw him ground out a few times tonight too. You did no. I mean, right.
0: I I know, but and Leary's not even playing, so I can't even give anything. But like. Yeah, get Herb, get Herb down here. He'll complain about Larry Garcia. Well, and then Yasmani going down, and now you're relying on Sebi, who's a huge question mark in his own right, and Carlos Perez. Like, if they were able to get more depth at the the, the trade deadline, what could that look like? They traded uh, away I'm their backup sure. catcher. That's that's true, but also they needed to get rid of him off the lineup because her roster because he had no options. Uh, so yeah, they were just in a rough spot, and, and maybe the the issues go all the way back to this year's offseason, and maybe they could have made more you know moves to improve the team then, but uh, they didn't uh, anyway. Uh, let's look at the standings and then get out of here. Uh, the Orioles with this win, they are now 11 games back in the AL East, making it very, very competitive. Uh, 64 and 58 on the year, the Orioles are. They are now 36 and 23 at home. The Sox are 62 and 61 in the year. Three and a half games back of the Guardians, the Twins also lost. They're two and a half games back of the Guardians. They're 62 and 59. The Guardians are currently playing out in San Diego, and they lead the Padres two to one in the bottom of the sixth. The Orioles are now two games back in the wild card. The Mariners are at 66 and 56 at the last wild card spot. The Blue Jays are a half game up of them, 66 and 55, and the Rays. Lead by a game. They are in the first wild card spot at 67 and 55. Your Chicago White Sox, four and a half games back in the wild card at 62 and 61. The real question is will they get to the Red Sox level or will they be able to jump the Twins? I think that's the thing that I'm currently looking at right now. Twins 62 and 59, they're on a four game losing streak. Sox 62 and 61. The Red Sox are 60 and 63. I think if you get closer and closer to the Red Sox, My panic meter gets up and up. If you jump the Twins, my panic meter is going to go down and down. You know, if the White Sox are at least able to be the second place or the second team out of the wild card just behind Baltimore by the end of this series with the Diamondbacks, I think my panic level will probably be low because it's still the White Sox Then the versus the Guardians at that point in the AL Central, and then maybe the Orioles, the wheels fall off, the pitching isn't as good as it has been, the lineup's not as good as it has been, and the White Sox are able to sneak into the playoffs. But really, it just seems like the Sox can only sneak in at this point. I don't really think that they're going to snap out of this and, and jump up to the front of the line.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think, let's put it this way, they could jump to the front of the line in the AL Central without snapping out of it.
0: I don't know if they can. The The Guardians are just so well run. They hustle. They do everything right.
1: And they're only a handful of games ahead of the two teams behind them.
0: But they haven't stumbled. You know, I feel like the White Sox have had stumbles. Like Cleveland has stayed here the entire year. The Sox have gone basically like this. And, and honestly, it's like. They're they're fighting against that 500 Cleveland line.
1: Okay, but doesn't that doesn't that show you how good Cleveland can be though? Doesn't that show you the Cleveland ceilings really low?
0: Their ceilings really low, but I think their floor is very very high. I, I think mean, the White Cle- Sox, I, I'm, I'm I'm questioning where the Sox ceiling is.
1: Oh, well, I guess it's I mean,
0: division winner, but like we yeah. haven't seen that since when, when was the last time they led the division? Like April?
1: Oh yeah, a long long time ago. But right. yeah, it's so the point. The point that I'm making is that we are we are in late August, and still nobody has separated themselves. Still nobody has snapped out of it, if you will. True. And I think the the Guardians' le- expectation level much, much lower than the White Sox and the Twins in the preseason. You can look at the Twins and White Sox as being disappointing. I don't think you can look at the Guardians as being disappointing, and yet they've only managed to get so far. So if the Guardians, uh, you know, fall back to earth so to speak if they're playing above the, where they're supposed to be or if they're playing the way they play when things go right if they don't keep if things stop going right for them the even the disappointing white Sox and the disappointing twins can keep being disappointing and be even and still have a better record
0: absolutely and i mean you look at the fan graphs playoff odds and on August sixteenth, the Sox had the highest playoff odds at fifty-three point nine, and now it's down to three point or thirty-one point four. Cleveland's up to sixty point six, and I still
1: feel yeah, like it could oh, zigzag.
0: I mean, you could just see. I mean, right. it's just them, them trading back and forth in mm-hmm. August. I mean. No one wants this division. That's basically what that looks like. Uh, So I don't know. But Cleveland, I mean, right now they got the lead out in San Diego. So uh, we'll see if they're able to pull off that victory and gain a half a game on the Sox. They would pull to four ahead uh, in the division. So... Uh, the Sox definitely need to start winning at some point. We'll see if they can make that tomorrow. They will take on the Orioles again at 6.05 out in Camden Yards. Uh, and, and hopefully they're not beat by the wall again. Uh, we didn't talk about the numbers here, but they moved back the wall, and now it's just not a hitter's park anymore. And you could see that with the two balls from Robert and Zavala. The Sox should have had two homers tonight, but that damn wall uh, out in left field uh, you know, scuffed that out. So tomorrow, 6.05. Socks at Baltimore, Giolito on the bump versus Spencer Watkins. Uh, anything you're looking forward to in, in Giolito's start? Anything that, you know, we should be watching for? Uh, you know, right now coming in with a 5.34 ERA. The last start against Houston was real bad, led to a historic day for the Astros. Um, what are you thinking about Lucas's start here? Obviously, he needs to step out of it. One small
1: step for man, one giant leap for the Houston Astros. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, well, yeah, what are you looking for? You're looking for him to be the Lucas Giolito who, you know, you'd think you'd get. Uh, you know, the, the White Sox have only won as many games as they have thanks to their starting pitching this year or, or their pitching in general, and, uh, you know, you expect good days now from Cease. You expect good days now from Cueto. You expect good days most of the time from Kopech. It's it's the two guys who we thought were going to be at the top of their rotation, who they've been waiting on all year. Um, Lynn obviously has had the health problems, but Giolito has just not been himself. Uh, you know, they talk about getting hot at the right time. They talk about, uh, you know, getting hot in September and taking that in to try and, in this case, make the postseason and then win a few games there. You're going to need your starting pitchers firing on all cylinders to do that. If Giolito can. Can, can turn it around here, there's still a chance that they can have that kind of starting pitching momentum where they go back to trusting every one of their pitchers uh, on a daily basis. Sox are 3-1 and one in August uh,
0: when Giolito starts. We'll see if they can make that 4-1. They've beaten Kansas City, Texas, and Detroit and got smoked by the Astros. So... Baltimore is closer to the Astros than all the other teams, so we'll see what Lucas can do. He's got an ERA of 630 in the month of August, definitely inflated by the last outing against the Astros. Spencer Watkins has been good against the Rangers, Pittsburgh, Rays, and Cubs in August, a 405 ERA, and has only allowed 20 hits in 20 innings uh, and only three home runs. So if you're a White Sox hitter, beware. Because uh, he's a right hander and he throws a baseball. That's Vinny Duber. You can follow him on Twitter at Vinnie Duber. He's the CHGO White Sox beat writer. I'm Sean Anderson. You can follow me on Sha- at Sha- uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Sean underscore W underscore Anderson. I'm the host of the CHGO White Sox podcast. Herb Lawrence usually joins us, but he was dealing with a nerve issue. Hopefully, he joins us tomorrow. He was feeling ungood, as Jack Vedker says in the chat here, feeling ungood today, but hopefully he's feeling better tomorrow and can join us here. Feel better soon, Herb. Thank you to Stephen Nicholas for your production, and we will talk to you tomorrow at 5.30 for Giolito versus Spencer Watkins, the Sox versus the Orioles. Thank you to everybody for joining us on the live show, and thank you to Fleetwood Mac for your 1979 album, Tusk. Goodbye. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Go Sox.